Uh, yes, we're recording. Okay. I'd like to call to order the regular meeting of the Berkeley City Council for Tuesday, February 27, 2024. And the first item of the agenda is roll call. I'd like to ask the city clerk to please call the roll. Councilmember Kesterwani? Here. Taplin? Present. Bartlett? Here. Hahn? Present. Wengraff? Present. Humbert? Present. And Mayor Arabin? Present. Okay. The quorum of the city council is present. Thank you. And uh, Vice Mayor Wengraff and Councilor Kesawani will be participating through video conference. Um, so we'll move now to ceremonial matters. And the first um, order of business is a, a presenting a proclamation recognizing the 90th anniversary of the Berkeley Student Cooperative. And um, I believe we're joined this evening by the Vice President of External Affairs for the Berkeley Student Cooperative, Sin Macias Gomez and um, the Alumni Association President, Portia Lewis. Um, hi, um, thank you for joining us. Come forward to the podium. I'm gonna read the proclamation, come down and hand it to you. Um, so many of us know the Berkeley Student Cooperative as a critical part of our uh, city and universities um, uh, community and providing affordable student housing for uh, for, for students from many generations in the city of Berkeley and the Berkeley Student Cooperative is celebrating its 90th anniversary this year. So very pleased to present this proclamation in recognition of the Berkeley Student Cooperative. Whereas the Berkeley Student Cooperative, a housing cooperative founded in 1933 to provide affordable member run student housing currently houses over 1200 Berkeley residents. The BSC was founded to promote social and general welfare to work to eliminate prejudice and discrimination in housing and to advance access to education, relieve the government burden by creating cooperative student housing and to educate members to further the principles of tolerance and cooperation. The cooperative offers critically needed housing, food, amenities and community to many marginalized students in the city of Berkeley who are at disproportionate risk of experiencing homelessness and economic instability. 2023 marked the 90th anniversary of the Berkeley Student Cooperative, and we're taking this opportunity to recognize the BSC as a beacon for community well-being and betterment, and a leader in participatory governance and environmental sustainability, and a model, a model for not just California, but for the country, of an affordable student-run cooperative housing program. So now, therefore, be it resolved that we do hereby recognize and commend the residents and staff and alumni of the Berkeley Student Cooperative on the occasion of their 90th anniversary for their leadership and betterment to the Berkeley community. Let's give the Berkeley Student Cooperative a round of applause. Hi. Yeah, on Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. Uh, we just wanted to take a quick second to say um, that the Berkeley Student Cooperative is really honored to be here with y'all today. Um, we unequivocally have made a solidarity stance with uh, the ceasefire resolution in Gaza.
We are here for the community and we will continue to serve our community as long as we can. Housing insecurity continues to be a persistent issue in the city of Berkeley and we will be around as long as we can to ensure that students have places to live, places to call home, places to eat, places to study, and places to find coalescing spaces with one another. So thank you all so much and thank you to the city. Thank you. Thank you so much and free Palestine. Okay, now wanna um, shift gears and uh, turn over to Councilman Han, who would like to adjourn our meeting in honor of somebody who recently passed. And I know we're joined this evening also by the president of the Berkeley Unified School District Board of Education, Ana Vasadev as well. Well, thank you very much, Mayor. And this is a very, very sad occasion. Julia Alkin uh, was struck by a driver in my district at the corner of Marin and Oxford Streets. And unfortunately, this Monday, she died of her injuries. She had a deep passion for making our human and natural communities more resilient to climate change. She was only 37 years old. Despite early signs indicating possible recovery, Julia's condition subsequently worsened and emergency brain surgery was unsuccessful. She will save six lives through organ donation, as well as help numerous others through tissue donation, her family wrote Tuesday morning. This silver lining brings us some comfort. Alkin was the land acquisition program manager at Sonoma Land Trust, where she had worked since November. She was struck by a driver while in the crosswalk at Oxford Street and Marin on February 12, just before 1.30 p.m. And I want to thank the Berkeley Scanner for, um, for putting information together um, as the basis of these comments. One community mem member who contacted the scanner described her as a truly extraordinary person, saying that a tremendous number of people, many across the Bay Area, are devastated. She was an amazing person with a huge community that is now in deep grief. Julia Elkin got her bachelor's degree in environmental policy from William and Mary, and later got her master's in environmental policy and planning for the unit from the University of Michigan. She was a project manager for the California State Coastal Conservancy for six years, and then worked as a sea level rise planner for Marin County before joining the Sonoma Land Trust last year. She loved the ocean and went sailing with friends the day before she was struck. Before she moved to California, Elkin designed and ran coastal ecology education programs for the Smithsonian Institution Ecological Research Center and the Chesapeake Bay Foundation. Julia Elkin lived on Oxford Street about one mile from the crash site. She was jogging when she was hit by a driver. In addition to extending my personal and the council's deepest condolences and sympathies to her family and friends. I also wanna thank the many neighbors who came to her aid and rescue in the immediate aftermath of this crash, who are also grieving. And I wanted to um, ask um, school board president Anna Vasudev 
who lives at the corner and was one of the first, first people on the scene, um, if she could please um, join us with a few comments. Thank you, Councilmember Hahn and members of the council. My name is Anna Vasudev and I'm a resident of District 5. I'm joined by Brent Brackleby, a parent at Cragmont Elementary up the street. I'm here to speak for myself and many of my neighbors who live near the corner of Marin in Oxford. On February 12th, many of us heard the terrible crash when Julia Elkin was hit by a driver as she was in the crosswalk on the corner of Marin and Oxford. The driver was traveling westbound down the hill on Marin Avenue. We are devastated to hear today that Julia passed away from her injuries. I was one of those neighbors who rushed to the scene and called first responders. I'm here to implore you to address the urgent need for traffic calming on Marin Avenue in Oxford and intersection improvements on the corner of Marin and Oxford. As many of you know, Marin Avenue is a high injury street as identified in the city's Vision Zero Action Plan. The city must calm traffic on the side streets leading up to Marin and also on Marin Avenue itself. Julia could have been any of us. She was exercising in our neighborhood around 1.30 p.m. Many of us heard her scream before she was hit and rushed to the scene to support her and call for help. Julia's death was a tragedy that was preventable. We are asking that you do everything in your power to ensure that we do not lose another neighbor on our streets to traffic violence. You will be receiving a letter shortly with the signatures of many of my neighbors who share this concern. The letter will include ideas that we have regarding traffic calming, as well as a request for a community meeting within the next month to address cal traffic calming near Marin and Oxford. I want to thank Councilmember Hahn for coming and meeting with us the day following the collision. Please do everything in your power to help us and ensure that this never happens again. Thank you. Thank you. And we will be calling a meeting, but I want to leave a couple of days for us to just grieve and focus on this beautiful life that we have lost in our community. And then we will pick up and we will do the work again. Thank you. Councilmember Humbert. Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. And thank you, Councilmember Hahn, for, for that um, statement that you just made. I, I just got a couple short comments. First, I want to say I mourn, deeply mourn the death of this clearly wonderful Berkeley and and I extend my condolences to her family and her loved ones and her friends. And I, to get a sense, and, and I'd recommend that you all look at this, get a sense of what a special person she was. There's a video that Emily Raguso appended to the end of her article in the Berkeley Scanner, and it's a video of Julia speaking at Stinson Beach on the challenges of global warming and sea level rise, and she just clearly is brilliant and passionate and and we've lost a really good one um this is a clarion call i think to bear down on our vision zero goals and also do something in specifically about this extremely dangerous road it was originally designed not for cars but for an incline railway and it's just it's been dangerous for for decades and it's time to do something about it um, we, we shouldn't waste this opportunity, this terribly sad opportunity. Thank you. I just want to make it very clear. Um, I, and in partnership with Councilmember Wengraff, have had this street evaluated three times by our traffic engineers, and we have advocated. Some of the changes that we asked for have been implemented, and some we were told were infeasible. But I, I don't want anyone to think 
that the council members who represent this district are not fully aware of the dangers that this street represents. And we have spent significant time trying to make it safer. Clearly, we have to do more, but I don't want the community to be left with that impression. Thank you. Council member Bartlett. Uh, interestingly enough, um, Julie, when she first moved to California, uh, those years ago, uh, she knew anyone, she was an orphan. So she did Thanksgiving, uh, with my family and, um, she was really great. She was a wonderful person. Uh, that was a fun Thanksgiving and, uh, my family mourns her loss and, um, she was a bright light. Thank you. Okay. So we will uh, adjourn our meeting tonight in honor of Julia Elkin. Uh, no, you're out of order. We will get to public comment shortly. Please sit down. Please sit down. Okay. We're going to go to our last um, part of our ceremonial calendar, which is a presentation on the state of public health in the city of Berkeley. And I want to turn it over to our public health staff to make the presentation. A note that the report is included in our agenda packet for tonight's meeting. Hi, good evening. Should I go ahead and start? Yes, please. Thank you. Hi, I'm Dr. Anju Goyal, and let me go ahead and share my screen with you. Um, is there a, maybe somebody can assist me with that. Oh, here we go. Uh, Give me just a minute here. And Dr. Goel, you can just click up to the top. Looks like yeah, it's okay. It's pending. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for your patience. Uh, so it is a pleasure to be here. I have not met the council yet in person, but I am certainly looking forward to that. And let me just give you a little bit of background information on myself since we have not met before. So I am the interim health officer. And I started this position about five months ago in September, and it's an 18-month position. And the city of Berkeley will be recruiting for a permanent health officer sometime either late this year or early next year. And the interim position is slated to go through March of 2025. Uh, let's see. I should give me just a minute here. Let me let me change this. Uh, not sure how to do this. Okay, let's start. There we go. That's better. Okay. And I started working in public health in 2002. I got my start as a resident in public health and preventive medicine at the New York City Department of uh, Health and Mental Hygiene. And after that, I moved to California where, where I'd actually lived previously and worked in various California County Health Departments as an assistant and then a deputy and then a full health officer. I've also worked at the national level and spent the last several years at the CDC working on the COVID response. So although I'm new to the city of Berkeley, I'm not new to public health. And tonight I'm going to present some information on a project that we are doing called the Community Health Assessment and the Community Health Improvement Plan. So this was something that we started last summer, actually before I started here. And we're working with uh, an organization called JSI, which is based in Berkeley. 
to assist us in in completing this. And we are um, we are assessing what the major health priorities are in the city of Berkeley called the community health assessment or the CHA for short. And after that, we will create a community health improvement plan to address those major issues. And the very first stage of this was to conduct what was called a landscape scan. This was meant to be a high level snapshot that could then inform our CHA or community health assessment. And it looked at four different health areas, health status, staff capacity, resources, and community leaders. So all, uh, all factors weighing in on health outcomes. And again, we're just at the very beginning of this process. The landscape scan was completed in December, and the, the assessment was just started last month. And we're expecting to have the entire process completed in May of 2025. So tonight, I'm just going to give you a high-level overview of what the very first stage of the findings were. Okay, the process for the landscape scan was to do a number of key informant interviews with leaders both inside and outside the city of Berkeley, as well as review a number of health-related documents and do a preliminary data review. Now, the overview for this landscape scan was that Berkeley is actually doing very well for health and wellness. However, as we knew even before this landscape scan was done, there are some inequities and there are some disparities that exist. And unfortunately, they have been magnified over the last few years as a result of the pandemic. And the landscape scan looked at multiple factors. So it looked at health outcomes, uh, specifically disease, and mortality, but it also looked at those more upstream factors that we call social determinants of health that have a direct impact on health outcomes, like institutional factors and living conditions. Okay, and, uh, oh, actually, let me go back for a minute here. And I do wanna point out here that we, we did notice again, that there were some racial and ethnic disparities in health outcomes. There were there was some underfunding and under-resourcing of the organizations that serve uh, populations in need. And we did notice some discrepancies in living environments that are probably leading to some of these uh, differences in health outcomes. However, again, this is unfortunately not really news to us, and it's not something that's unique to Berkeley. So we see this across the United States um, where there are these persistent inequities. And fortunately, the city of Berkeley has been very active, very proactive in addressing them. And uh, I want to mention a few of the initiatives that city council has worked on to try to address these. So in 2018, Measure O was passed, which provided $135 million for affordable housing, including $40 million for affordable housing at two BART stations. In the same year, Measure P was passed using property taxes to fund $10 million for homeless services. There were two Project Home Key Awards in, in 2020 and 2022 that provided permanent affording affordable housing units. There was an affordable housing preference policy that was that was approved in 2023 that provided priority affordable housing for people who had lost housing or were at risk of losing their housing. In addition, uh, Berkeley has partnered with Lifelong Medical to 
have a heart-to-heart program that addresses heart disease and high blood pressure in South Berkeley. And we partnered with the Berkeley Food Network to have food pantries in South and West Berkeley. So these are some of the things that the city of Berkeley has been working on for several years to address these inequities that unfortunately affect health outcomes and that we are already aware exist here as well as in other communities across the United States. So let me first talk about health outcomes, specifically uh, disease and mortality. And this slide on the left side shows both life expectancy as well as overall health. And you can see right here that life expectancy at birth at Berkeley is 82.8 years. Now, this is actually higher than life expectancy in Alameda County, in California as a whole, and in the United States as a whole. The next column is the percentage of adults that rate their health as fair or poor. And for Berkeley, that's about 10%. And that's, again, lower than in our county, our state, or country. And so from those statistics, we can conclude that Berkeley is really doing quite well. Uh, and on the other side of the slide, I have chronic disease, high blood pressure, and diabetes. And here again, Berkeley has lower rates of both of these conditions than what we find in our neighboring county, as well as in the state and the United States. So uh, from the summary slide, we can conclude that Berkeley is doing quite well in terms of overall health status. And again, this is just a snapshot. Uh, we didn't analyze multiple different health conditions here because this is just preliminary uh, findings that will then inform how we complete the community health assessment. So when we look more closely, though, at some of those uh, figures, we find that there are inequities and disparities. Specifically, with life expectancy, it varies significantly depending on which census tract somebody lives in. So there's actually a 16-year difference between the highest and lowest life expectancies based on a census tract throughout Berkeley. And of course, the ones that have the longer life expectancies are the ones that are more resourced, and the ones with the shorter life expectancies are the less resourced ones. The landscape scan also looked at living conditions, which are definitely a social determinant of health, and specifically looked at economic and physical environments. This slide addresses poverty levels by race ethnicity. So the top bar is for children, and we can see that Black children in Berkeley have the highest rate of poverty at 20.7%, and the bottom bar is for seniors. And uh, Black seniors there also have the highest level of poverty at 14.5%. And those figures are higher than the percentage of population that Black residents compose. And we see something similar with Hispanic children and uh, seniors, where they have relatively high rates of poverty compared to white and Asian uh, children and seniors. And this addresses how economic status and security has changed as a result of COVID. So not surprisingly, in 2020, we see a very large peak in the unemployment rate. And fortunately, that has steadily fallen. However, it's not at pre-pandemic levels. You can see that it is still slightly above pre-pandemic levels. 
uh, I'd like to address housing access and affordability. So we know already that Berkeley is a very expensive place to live in, as is the rest of the Bay Area. And fortunately, the City Council has addressed this in several of those different measures and programs that I mentioned earlier. About a little bit less than half of Berkeley residents are homeowners, and a little bit more than half are renters. And the slide also lists the housing cost burdened percentage, and that is defined as the percentage of people who are spending 30% or more of their income on rent or mortgage, as well as utilities. And you can see that for homeowners, a little bit over a quarter of them are considered housing cost burdened. And for renters, a little bit over half of them are considered housing cost burdened. Now, this slide uh, is a little bit skewed by the number of students that we have in the city of Berkeley who are mostly uh, renters. And the last factor I'd like to address is institutional conditions for both government and nonprofits. And the conclusion here is that resources are just not sufficient to meet needs right now. So in terms of staffing, both nonprofits and government organizations have noticed shortages. It's the same thing with funding and particularly for public health, since we're a city and not a county health department. We generally have less funding, particularly compared to the larger county health departments that are neighboring us because much of the funding is determined uh, by, by population as well as by the numbers of cases of various diseases. And I do want to talk again about the next steps. So I mentioned the community health assessment that just started and it's going to be completed around August or September of this year. And we uh, open up applications for a community steering committee to guide this process. Uh, 10 people were selected that are that represent uh, quite a bit of diversity, both in terms of where they live. These include people who are, live in Berkeley and outside of Berkeley, but who have some sort of commitment to Berkeley, like perhaps they go to school here, perhaps they work here. Uh, also diversity in race, identity, and gender and age. It includes people who receive services, people who provide services, community leaders, and people with other lived experiences and skills and expertise. The community steering meeting will be, uh, or this community steering committee will be first meeting this week and then is estimated to meet one or two times a month to shape this process. And after the completion of the community health assessment, which will help us to identify priority areas where we'll, we will dig much deeper into these. Um, into these health metrics, uh, we will then address a plan for trying to ameliorate them. And this is called the Community Health Improvement Plan. So that'll start around August or September of this year and go to May of next year. And we don't yet have the names of the community steering committee members public yet, so I can't share them with you, but there was quite a lot of care and effort put into making sure that that was a very diverse and representative group. And these were the various people who uh, were interviewed as part of the landscape scan. So again, leaders with inside and outside the city. And these were the various documents that were reviewed to inform this part of the landscape scan.
And I'm available to answer any questions if people have any. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Goel, um, and thank you for the presentation. Look forward to seeing the, the community health assessment um, after it's completed. Um, any questions from council members? Um, if not, we can certainly direct those questions offline um, to you um, and to the city manager. Um, and just want to call attention to the fact that the, um, the reports included in our agenda packet on the information calendar. So thank you. Welcome to Berkeley. Look forward to working with you. And uh, thank you for your work leading this important effort. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you. So that completes uh, ceremonial matters. We'll go to city manager comments. And um, Madam City Manager, you have any comments this evening? Thank you, Mr. Mayor and Council. No comments this evening. Okay, thank you very much. So we'll now go to public comment on non-agenda matters. And uh, uh, I'd like to ask unanimous consent that we conduct this public comment period in the manner that we have done so previously in the last several meetings. We'll take 10 in-person speakers who will be selected randomly by the clerk. We'll take 10 speakers on Zoom. So um, hearing no objection, though, with the action. And Mr. Clerk, if you can please read the those people that were selected. Okay. Um, Paul C., Bruce Short, Summer Brenner, Nilo or Nilo, Ilana Auerbach, Val W. D. Z. Residence, Travis Castle, Christina Harb, and Nagin Mossad. Okay, thank you. Um, if your name was called, um, if you'd like to come forward and begin. Uh, public comment. Thank you. If you could please state your name for the record as well. Should we go in any order? In any order. Is any it? order. Yeah. Okay. And others can line up to be ready to speak. Thank you. My name is Summer Brenner, and I thought it would interest the council to know what laws are being violated by the State Department daily as it approves ships and cargo planes full of weapons of mass destruction to be used in Israel's war crimes and genocide against hundreds of thousands of Gaza citizens, mostly women and children. I highlight these laws because you as representatives of us, I know are very interested in upholding laws. I mean, that is one of your greatest duties so I'm going to name these five laws, and if I have time, I can describe them a little. The first is the Foreign Assistance Act. It forbids the provision of assistance to a government which, quote, engages in a consistent pattern of gross violations of internationally recognized human rights, unquote. The Arms Export Control Act, which says countries that receive U.S. military aid can only use weapons for legitimate, I stress that word, self-defense and internal security. The U.S. War Crimes Act, which forbids grave breaches of the Geneva Convention, including willful killing, torture, or inhumane treatment, willfully causing great suffering or serious injury to body and health. The Leahy Law prohibits the U.S. government from using funds for assistance 
to units of foreign security forces where there is credible information implicating that unit in the commission of gross violations of human rights and the genocide convention implementation act enacted to implement us obligations under the Gen genocide convention thank you for your time i hope you'll take these laws very seriously under consideration thank you Okay, um, I'm going to read the names again, and if your name is called, please line up on this side of the room. Um, uh, Bruce Short, Paul C., Nilo, Ilana Auerbach, Val W., D2 Residence, Travis Castle, Christina Harb, and Nagin. Hi, my name is Travis Castle. And if you found a genie's lamp, there's many things you'd wish for. You'd want to help the homeless. You'd wish to help public safety. You'd also wish to improve equality. People of Berkeley, raise your hand if Black Lives Matter. You'd also wish for a reparations plan. But not only that, you'd want to help all people of color with forgivable business loans, forgivable student loans, and jobs earmarked exclusively for minorities so we uplift all people of color. People of Berkeley, raise your hand if you support that. And you'd want help internationally because we have to go beyond our borders because human beings should be treated like human beings. Whenever help is needed, we don't pick sides, we provide aid for current needs such as food and water, anticipated needs such as medical supplies, and legal support to get that supplies, to get those supplies in there and legal support to get people to safety if needed. But that's not all. You would also wish to help rebuild what was, what was destroyed from houses and hospitals so we do not add to the existing 30 million refugees of the world. People of Berkeley, raise your hand if you'd wish for that. So the Path to Humanity self-funds all this that I just explained, provides millions of dollars, all without taxpayer money. It's funded with a multi-part system, but I'm just going to focus on part one. Businesses for $40 a month pick what they want to support. They get a, um, a sticker that reflects their support. Uh, they have what they support, sorry. So people of Berkeley, if you've seen a business supporting what you care about, raise your hand if you'd be more likely to do business with that business. So what I'm asking for is 10 minutes and make this an agenda item so we can make history and save lives. Thank you so much for your time. Hi, my name is um, Milo, and I would like to cede my time to Adam B. Thank you. Hi, folks. As an educator here at UC Berkeley, 
I'm disappointed that the Berkeley City Council has not yet put a ceasefire resolution on their agenda. Like many of my colleagues, I'm horrified at the Israeli army's almost complete destruction of education and learning in Gaza, including the deliberate targeting and destruction of most secondary schools, all universities, and cultural and intellectual archives and institutions, and the Israeli army's deliberate targeting and murder of numerous primary and secondary school teachers, professors, and principals and deans. This intentional eradication of systems of education and learning, scholasticide, is an outrage. I urge the city of Berkeley to follow the spirit of its 1979 divestment from apartheid South Africa and to join its neighbors in the Bay Area in making the symbolic and important resolution for a ceasefire. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to read the other um, cards, um, just so everyone knows the um, uh, those remaining speakers, in-person speakers. Bruce Short, Paul C., Ilana Auerbach, Val W., D2 Residents, Christina Harb, and Nagin. I'm Val W., and I'm ceding my time to Andrea P. Okay. Council members, I wonder if you've had an opportunity to see some of the pictures coming out of Gaza. I wonder if you've seen the now starving children. Starving. There's no way that you can deny, and I, if you can, I'd like to hear about it. Can you deny that what is happening in Gaza is genocide? Can you deny that? Now, I know that some of you have been offered trips by JCRC to go to Israel. And I want to ask you, would you be willing to go to go to the West Bank? Would you go? You've been. Then it's even more shameful that you can turn your back. Are you aware? So you so you've seen apartheid? So you've seen the shepherds being threatened by settlers? You've seen you've seen of the houses being confiscated by Israelis, you've seen it and you can sit share and act as if we have no connection and no responsibility. Your lack of moral leadership in this moment is rippling out through our community. If you claim to want to lead this city or this state I cannot imagine that you can turn your back in this cold and callous way. Thank you. That you that you can. Do we have one minute or two? It's one minute. Okay. Thank you. I want to and 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 in terms of leadership, let's look to the school board. Let's look to the children. I had some of my students go to the to the school board because they wanted to speak out last week, and it's so heartrending to see them stumble and try to find the language with which to express their grief, their, their, their fear, their, their anxiety. 
and that your leadership offers nothing but denial. You deny that there's a conflict. Over again, in this community and from this council, when our community faces crisis, whether it's 1,400 cops coming in to, to take our park, whether it's a shooting, whatever happens, whether it's the police killing somebody at 7th and Grayson, this council offers no solace, no comfort, no service, no care. So we're going to ask you yet again, will you offer solidarity to those who are suffering from the Israeli intentional genociding of a people? Will you do it? We just ask you to stand in solidarity. Can you, Sophie? Can you do it? How much more? How many more? And they need Your time is up. Need. We need to move on. What do you need? What do you need? Okay, let's move on. Okay, your time is up. We need to move to the next speaker. Okay, Bruce Short, Paul C, D2 Residence, Christina Harb, and Nagin. All right, Ms. Davila, your name wasn't called. It was called D2 Resident. Okay. Thank you very you much. You are D2 Resident. That's right. You should, like, really pay attention before you, like, yeah, verbal diarrhea. It's not good. Um, first, before my time starts, because I haven't started yet, I want to make it clear that I am not supporting Jesse Aragin for mayor. And I want you to... For mayor or for state senate or for anything. And you need to take down cease and desist using my photo as your backdrop. It's not okay. You don't have my permission and it's deceitful and lying to the public. Start, start my time over, please. It's really shameful that here we are five months into a genocide and y'all still sit there and act like it's okay. It's really shameful. But now we know for a fact that you're Zionists. You, care, you don't care about racism. You don't care about apartheid. You don't care about humanity. You don't care about children. How can you think that you can lead when you don't care. It's really disgusting that people are dying and you think that it's okay and you can just like not pass a resolution and just pretend like we're being uncivil and all this BS when you know it's not true. Who's paying you? Why are you being supported 
and and following these genocidal Zionistic behavior. You you need yeah. What have you promised them? You made a commitment to your community when you got elected or selected. And Cease fire now! Cease fire now! Cease fire now! Shame on all of you! Okay, Bruce Short, Palsy, Christina Harb, and Nagim. I see Nagin, I see Christina. I cede my minute to Christina. Okay, thank you. I, I thought I thought the first person had two minutes. That was a mistake. Was um, a mis- the agenda clearly prescribes that if there are more than ten speakers, it's a minute per speaker. That's been our procedure that we've uh, that we've operated under for all the meetings. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm I'm here today speaking as a Palestinian American and a Berkeley public school teacher. Um, in 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 the last five months, Israel has either partially or totally destroyed every single one of Gaza's twelve universities. Hundreds of academics and university students have been killed. Three hundred K through twelve schools have been destroyed. Thirteen thousand children, including newborn babies, have been left who have been left to die in incubators have also been killed. That's more children, actually, than we have in the entire school district in Berkeley, if you knew that. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, over 17,000 children have lost one or both parents, and those who are still alive, including those in the West Bank, can't even go to school. This is a war on children. This is a war on Palestinian culture, history, identity, and the children are our future. And so by trying to exterminate our children, Israel is trying to eliminate the future of Palestine. From the perspective of a BUSD teacher, I condemn the censorship rampant in this city that is attempting to keep our children in Berkeley from learning about the fate of children on the other side of the world. And after five months of genocide, which which the U.S. federal court judge and an international court of justice have both stated that it is plausible that Israel is committing a genocide in Gaza. The South African government even accused, is the one that brought that case. And this city council has previously divested from apartheid in South Africa. You, have, you Jesse, have divested from the Dakota Access Pipeline. You divested from Trump's border wall. And all the people that you claim to defend stand with Palestine. All those people stand with Palestine. Excuse me. Excuse me. I'm talking. You're taking away my time. I'm sorry. Your actions show that you are frauds, all of you. And I want to. I, I know I'm going to run out of time, but I'd really like to read this poem by a Muslim, trans-Muslim Palestinian author who's a local here. He says, she, or sorry, they say, I am not a body you can murder. I am not, I am a movement you can't quench. I am a shot you can extinguish. I am a spark you can't dim. I am not a Palestine you can erase. I am Palestine, indigenously sovereign, a movement, a thought, a voice. I am inevitable. Ceasefire now.
Um, is Bruce short here? Okay. <laughs> it is important. It really is important. Okay, one second. Uh, uh, yeah, I just went to his talk, but let me speak. I was just, no, I, he, I asked him to, uh, to come back in a minute, but he was late. Just need only two minutes. Is it you have one minute. Uh, two minutes. No, okay, please let me. Okay, first, I'd like to make note about Marine Avenue. I went up Marine Avenue for over 40 years. It is very dangerous. I spoke with the lady on uh, Berkeley traffic and the security many times. She had the wrong idea about it. As far as the issue in hand, the first page to tell you that our business spent millions in the city of Berkeley, millions and millions and millions. And I sued the biggest company in the world because they screwed up America. And Americans, we will also 20, 30, 40 million jobs to them. The second page about a man, one of the San Francisco examiner, uh, a paper that I spent over $2 million a year with him in advertising, wrote an article about the business, the history of business. You should read it. We are legend. We are legend. I don't want that small hole in the wall, Durant Mall, is worth gold to us because of my business experience, our knowledge. And our background, our customer who yields badly. Don't do <laughs> You are wrong. And again, I get, you know, there again, do not antagonize me because I was known in the business as the biggest sewer in the whole industry. I said, Mitsubishi case cost me over 50, uh, over $2 million. So many others. Don't let me sue the city of Berkeley for some inside politics. Do not. As far as the Palestinian issue, it is sad. I can't eat or sleep. I have no religion. Okay. I see your religion are very detailed to mention Egypt. Also, the Greeks screwed up the whole Latin translation. If you translate the Quran, it's an old, old copy of the Old Testament. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity are the same damn religion. And all fine. Just 10 seconds. Thank you. Just 10 seconds. We need to get religion out of people's life. Besides, I have no choice where I was born. Neither do you. Thank you. you could be one of the kids that starved right now or killed or butchered or shredded in, in, in Gaza. Thank you, Thank Mr. Abdullah. We need to move on. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank Please you. listen to what I said. Thank you. Everything I said, it is really important, especially about the business. Thank you very much. Okay, is Paul C here? I'd like to cede my time to Nora. My name is Nora and I'm a UC Berkeley faculty member and resident of the city of Berkeley and I demand an immediate ceasefire resolution from this city council in response to the war on Palestine. As an academic, I mourn the systematic destruction of schools, universities, and archives, and I decry the murder of my colleagues under the cascading bombs, white phosphorus, and bullets of sniper rifles. The murder of nearly 4,500 students, 300 teachers, 100 professors, many alongside their entire families. I also stand here as a mother, mourning other mothers undergoing cesarean sections without anesthesia, premature babies rotting in hospitals that have been bombed and forcibly abandoned, 
and the tens of thousands of lives of children preemptively snuffed out before they could live and in living resist. Every Palestinian death is a stain on humanity and particularly on the United States as it fuels genocide with billions of dollars and tens of thousands of bonds. I am ashamed to be an American and I am ashamed of the city of Berkeley when Oakland, Richmond, San Francisco have all passed ceasefire revolution resolutions. What are you waiting for? Okay, we'll go to 10 speakers on Zoom. Um, our first speaker on Zoom is Izzy. Um, I cede my time to Isabel B. Is Isabel B here? Okay, thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Isabel. I'm a staff member at UC Berkeley, a member of faculty and staff for justice in Palestine and a Berkeley resident. Working at an educational institution, I am reminded every day of the educational institutions under siege in Palestine. I look around me and I imagine the crumbled walls of all 12 universities of Gaza, which since October 7th, because of your inaction and your tax dollars, have been bombed and mostly destroyed by the state of Israel. I think of the over 4,000 students, the over 200 teachers, and the 100 professors who have been intentionally murdered by the state of Israel over the past four months. And yet somehow that is not even the full story. We know that Israel has actually been systematically obliterating Palestinian learning long before October 7th, because like any colonizer, it knows the power of education for a colonized people. It knows that education carries possibilities, alternatives, and is a threat to Israeli hegemony. It knows that as long as the traditions of Palestinian learning and culture are alive, as they are and always will be, Israel cannot win. I come to you today to say if you purport to care about education, about free thought, as so many of you claim to, please do the absolute bare minimum that your jobs require. Listen to your constituents who have been coming here for four months and agenda the ceasefire resolution in the city of Berkeley. Thank you. Free Palestine. Okay. Okay, we'll go next to Naor. Um Della Anu. Naor, you should not be able to speak. Uh hello. Uh my name is Naor. Um, I just want to comment on some of the last few months. Uh, I'm 
really distraught about what's happening in Gaza and to Israelis as well, but the devastation is horrible. Uh, that being said, I uh, don't believe that making things increasing conflict in Berkeley is going to solve problems around the world. Uh, and I think we need to take care of each other here and um, do and I appreciate council for attempting to stay civil. Uh, and I think that there are things that individuals can do to help Palestinians in Gaza, but shouting speakers down and harassing city council members and uh, and speakers and students is not gonna do it. Thank you. Okay, we'll go next to Hillary. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, members of the City Council, Mayor Aragon. I'm a 17-year Berkeley resident, and I'm here tonight first to say thank you. Thank you for staying focused on the city's work that you were elected to do, and for not bowing to pressure from a very loud, angry minority whose tactics include intimidation and violence, as we Hold saw on. last it's, night let's wait. on the let's Cal pause, campus. Ma'am, please stop for one second. Let's pause the clock. Please don't interrupt the speakers. Everyone should be given the opportunity to express their opinions without being interrupted. Um, let's not interrupt the speakers, even people that we don't agree with. Um, let's 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 enable people to have once again, let's enable people to be heard. We heard those people that were here in the room. Let's allow the people you're out of order. Let's allow the people that are participating via Zoom to have their opportunity to speak. So why don't what uh, why don't we continue? And I'll give you a Thank few you. seconds to go over given that you're interrupted. Thank you. We heard from our first public commenter tonight the desire to uphold our laws. However, we saw last night who's promoting violence and trying to suppress free speech and breaking the law. A speaker was scheduled to speak on the Cal campus, an Israeli army reservist, one of the first early responders who arrived in the south of Israel in 10-7 to fend off Hamas terrorists. We saw from the Ceasefire Now group violence, verbal threats, spitting, broken glass, a modern-day pogrom, which resulted in at least one hospitalization, all in response to this scheduled speaker event. This must stop immediately. We need your continued support. Don't only say that Berkeley is united against hate, but show it by firmly saying no to the local violence and intimidation. Okay, thank you. Once, once again, can we please be adults here and be respectful of each other? Okay, I'm going to go, sir, you're out of order. You're out of order. Stop interrupting the meeting. So while while we go to the next speaker, I'd like to ask everyone to please let's not interrupt the speakers. Let's not interrupt the speakers. Let them have the opportunity to be heard. 
just like those people that were in the room that had an opportunity to speak as well. Okay, we're gonna accept Ava Rockwell. Ava Rockwell, you should now be able to speak. Hi, can you hear me okay? Yes. So I'm actually against a ceasefire. And to be honest, I don't really care uh, about which way we go either side. Um, we've already seen consequences of uh, Jewish character display in the United States. And to quote both Eckhart and Sombart, um, we've seen the consequences of this within the First World War. We've seen this in 1915 uh, at a time when Americans had not the slightest idea of a war against the Germans. And in fact, we're so disposed toward them that any indication of a possible conflict of interest would have been smoothly and amicably settled. Uh, a secret advisory committee met with President Woodrow Wilson, and it was it was spearheaded by who? The Jew, Bernard Baruch. Instead of worrying about what's going on with Israel and Palestine, why don't we make uh, amendments or proposed clauses for a anti-attack or anti-fire, whatever you want to call it, for places like South Africa, where whites are being uh, slaughtered in their driveways and killed in front of their children and their okay, government yes. wants to say, kill right. the boar. Okay. All right, let's stop interrupting. Okay. Okay, um, we're going to go to the next few speakers on Zoom um, and really like to ask. Uh, you know, this is not public comment on non-agenda matters. I'd like to ask those speakers on Zoom, please don't say anything that's offensive to people's religion or background. Let's let's have a civil forum here. So we're gonna go to the next speaker, David Chere. Oh, Hi. Um I support a ceasefire in Gaza. I do not support a symbolic resolution, uh, but more than that, I don't support the pointless disruption of our city's democratic process that we've seen in the last few months. Nobody has the right to appropriate the legislative agenda for themselves or to shout down uh, opposing viewpoints. Um, I wanna talk about this issue as it actually relates to the government. First of all, apartheid uh, divestment was not an action of council. It was a vote on the ballot. The people voted for it. Right now, people who care about their community are out collecting signatures. Where is the ceasefire measure? Where is the divestment measure? There isn't one. And folks should think about why they'd rather yell at council over something that's got nothing to do with them than use the actual levers of government to make a difference. I think that the city council and folks who care about this ought to think about some of those, think about some of those levers. What can we do that make a concrete difference um, and not just not just talking and not just shouting? Thanks. Okay, um, we'll go next to Bill. 
uh, good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Bill, Bill Shaner. And this is on the ceasefire um, topic, I believe. I think you said no public uh, comment, so I can definitely swing that. Um, I would like to say no to a ceasefire. I don't think we should pass a resolution because I want the world to see the evil that the nation state of Israel itself actually is and the war crimes that they are committing. Okay, sir, please, I can, please say anything and, offensive here. I'd like to ask you to practice civility. I'm speaking about the nation state of Israel. I'm not targeting a specific people, my friend. I'm talking about a country that's committing war crimes right now. And I think that people should perhaps see the true nature of the state's directives and what they're actually trying to accomplish in their area of the world. Like I said, I was not speaking about the Jewish faith, nothing like that. I'm talking about the atrocities that Israel has committed since they stole the land from Palestinians in 1947. If we're going to pass any resolution, it should be for the complete destruction and abolition of the illegitimate state of Israel. We should arm the Palestinians so they can go ahead and do what's just and do what's right and get rid of all those filthy fucking kikes. Okay. So once again, let's hold in the game one second. One second. One second, please. Always goes. So I think as people know, there's been a wave of very hateful anti you know, anti-Semitic people coming to imp there was a Nazi that came to a Walnut Creek City Council meeting. There are people that have used public meetings to espouse hate. You all are here to, to speak in support of Palestine. I want to just say that what this person did, we will not tolerate that. I will, I will call people out for that. We will have zero tolerance for any hate speech in our city meetings. Um, so I apologize if people had to hear that. Uh, we're trying our best to you know, provide a forum for people under the First Amendment in compliance with the State Brown Act, but we will have zero tolerance for any hate speech of any kind. Okay. Okay, and okay, we're going to go to Aaron Luye. Yes, can you hear me? We can, yes. Yes, uh, first of all, I'd like to thank you, City Council, for your patience. I've been listening to this. I came to City Council once before. I really applaud your patience. Look at the number of people, this loud number of people who are speaking against you and insult you. There are about, what, 30, 40 people with a city of 120,000? They count less than one in 10,000. They do not represent City of Berkeley. I like city of Berkeley. There's a lot of issues, homeless, you name it. I don't want to go on because I only have 20 seconds left. But the fact of the matter is that your effort should be spent for the city of council. Our administration under President Biden is handling the matter okay. He's considering both sides, peace in Gaza, trying to reach that, as well as supporting our ally Israel. I Mark, certainly am against this resolution. It's nonsense. And they should not listen to this loud group who always try to intimidate you. And good luck to you, sir. I really feel for you.
Okay. Um, we're going to get to a name that I know is legit, Money Law. Um, Money Laws, you should not be able to speak. So thank you for taking my comments. I'd like to speak in support of consent items seven and eight and 14. We're not on the, this is non-agenda public comment. For consent items? We're on public comment on non-agenda matters. Okay, I have that too. Okay. okay. Start the clock over, please. You may have received a Public Records Act request that I submitted with respect to People's Park. I got the responses. The amount of overtime spent by the police department was $177,000. Yeah. I think that could cover some of the work that Councilmember Bartlett is doing for affordable housing, that uh, Councilmember Hahn and the mayor want to get Alta Bates Hospital saved. I just came back from Alta Bates. And I think it needs to be scrutinized and looked at. They spent that amount in three days. Possibly, I need clarification. So also in those same requests, we asked for copies of permits that the city submitted to allow the double stacked containers that are impeding the pathway for people with disabilities. There's also concern in the event of an earthquake, they can topple and we are gonna have a disaster. So imagine if you see my alma mater, Go Bears, loses in Supreme Court and they've destroyed 41 trees and a park in the open space that's green in the South Berkeley. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, we're going to go to Rachel W. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, thank you. My name is Rachel. I'm a Berkeley resident. I'm also Jewish. Um, to the people I've heard tonight who think this isn't Berkeley's business, Berkeley has divested from apartheid in South Africa. It's passed resolutions on federal and international matters in the past, not to mention the dozens and dozens of Berkeley residents who have come out over these past four months whose families they're telling you are being killed by weapons and support that is directly tied to American tax dollars, Berkeley tax dollars. So this is a Berkeley issue. To the Zionists, which shouldn't be conflated with Jews, but that's one of the other harms being perpetuated by Israel, please go to therapy. Please heal your generational trauma. Anti-Semitism is real. It is marching with tiki torches by white men, just like the white patriarchal European Nazis who committed the Holocaust, not Arabs, not Palestinians. This is a Berkeley issue. Councilmember Han, you sit on the Agenda and Rules Committee. I know you are also a survivor, a, a descendant of survivors, and I can't think of a less Jewish thing than making another people an exiled community. Please help us get this on the agenda or give us a forum where people can be heard. Thank you. Yeah. 
Okay, we're going to go to our last speaker on Zoom, Eliza Mamadov. Okay. I was on Zoom, but now I'm here in person. <laughs> Hello, Berkeley City Council. My name is Liza. Can you hear me? I am the president of the Berkeley Student Cooperative. I'm very grateful that you proclaimed um, the proclamation for us today, and I'm also very happy to see that you're interested in funding affordable housing. And I'd be curious to see you using some of that funding to help cooperatives like us, instead of using that funding for the police department, which trains with the IDF and the deadly exchange program. I am Jewish and I'm an anti-Zionist. And I think it's despicable to use my name and my family's Holocaust history to be silent in the time of genocide. Just yesterday, there was an active airman, service man, who engulfed himself in flames in front of the Israeli embassy because he said he can no longer be complicit in genocide. How can we stop being complicit in genocide? How can you stop being complicit in genocide? We voted as tenants that we do not want to be complicit in. I want to see you do the same thing. Please. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, so that completes public comment on non-agenda matters. Um, and we're going to take a brief recess for our caption and we'll be back. Thank you. Recording stopped.
They're on. Okay. Recording in progress. Okay. Okay, the city council is back in session. Um, council member Weingraf, are you there? Yes, yes, I'm here. Okay. Yes, I'm here. Okay, so we have uh, done public comment on non-agenda matters. We'll move to the consent calendar. Colleagues, in the interest of time, I would ask that we keep our comments brief on the consent calendar. Um, and okay. Council Member Wengraff, do you have any comments on the consent calendar? Uh, hold on one sec. We can't hear her for some reason. Uh, can you hear me? Uh, Councilor Wengraff, we're having an issue hearing the audio. Excuse me, we need to figure out the IT stuff here. There's an issue with the connection, so. It's gonna cycle itself in about Okay, let's wait a second. Councilman Warnguff, can you hear us? Yes, I can. Oh, perfect. So I'm gonna uh, ask, do you have any comments on the consent calendar? Uh, no comments. Councilman Kesawani, any comments on the consent calendar? Yeah, yes, I do, Mr. Mayor, can you hear me? We can thank you. Oh, okay. Thank you very much. I uh, just wanted to ask, Mr. Mayor, for item number thirteen. Was there a reason why this was done as a direct allocation rather than a budget referral for the budget process? Because we need to hire the we need to hire um, outside counsel and um, subject matter experts to assist in this work now. In fact, the city attorney's already hired somebody, but hasn't gotten any formal direction from council. Um, and so uh, this is to assist in the work we're, do we're doing around exploring alternatives to the closure of Alta Bates Hospital. Um, so that's the reason why it's presented as an allocation. We have a, we have a pretty hefty um, excess equity balance in our general fund currently, and I confirm with the city manager. Oh, okay. I, actually, uh, that just ra your answer just raised another question for me. Uh, so you said the city attorney has already uh, brought on outside counsel without having the direction? No, of I think they, they've talked to, actually, let me clarify, they've talked to somebody who potentially um, we could engage, but I don't think they've technically hired them, so. Oh, but okay. We well, I, I just want to respectfully abstain on this because I, I just have a, a process concern that all all budget requests should go through the budget process out of fairness for all of our very important priorities. I do want to note, uh, you know, we have concerns about street safety with traffic calming needs and public safety concerns with the rash of car break-ins in West Berkeley and at the North Berkeley BART station. Uh, so, I, you know, respectfully, I feel that we have a lot of urgent priorities and uh, I, I can't support this without it being considered against all the other competing priorities uh, in the budget process. So I'll just uh, like to be recorded as abstaining. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I want to make a note. I think Councilor Humbert, you asked a co-sponsor. Yes, I did. Thank you, Mr. You Mayor. asked a co-sponsor. I have 13. I just want to note that for the record. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, okay. Any other comments from the council on the consent calendar? Okay. Now I'll, I'll, um, we'll move to public comment on the consent calendar. 
um, any in-person speakers on the consent calendar. Please come forward. This is public comment on consent items. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, uh, my name is. Get some sound. Hello, hello. Testing. Am I there? Uh, my name is Dale Sophia. I've been a resident of Berkeley for about almost fifty years. I uh, when I first moved here, I was pretty giddy about how people oriented the city was. I managed. Uh, the California Theater, the United Artists, the Fine Arts, the Act One, Two, the North Side, several theaters in the Bay Area uh, during my almost 50 years here. And I'm uh, actually astonished at the council's failure to consider the demise of the cultural uh, health of this community. Uh, after being a Mecca for moviegoers for decades, there are now zero movie theaters in downtown Berkeley. And only the Elmwood remains uh, open within city limits. I understand you need to provide more housing, uh, but Berkeley residents, including the people that will be moving into that housing, have nowhere to go for, for affordable entertainment. Uh, and such a void is driving residents to other destinations. So money's going out of the city for uh, entertainment needs. Many other cities, uh, Ann Arbor uh, uh, especially, have been able to partner with cultural organizations to successfully restore and help operate movie houses as a service to the- So I'm gonna have to ask you to complete your thought. Okay, uh, services, their constituents, but it seems Berkeley is interested only in uh, serving developers. Uh, if we wanna see a cultural ghost town, we're getting close to it. I hope that you can do something about the United Artists of the California theaters. That was, he was addressing item 19. I want to thank you, Dale, for, for being the father of the California theater for 30 some years. Thank you, Dale, for your, for your public work to the city. I am a small business owner and I will contest to the fact that hundreds of small businesses have closed since the pandemic. It, the situation in downtown Berkeley is dismal, not because of crime, not because of the homeless, because of lack of cultural identity. We are Berkeley, for God's sake. These theaters that have been taken away, the high rises that are going up without 53% vacancy. It is a cultural wasteland of downtown. Nobody comes to it. That's why the businesses in downtown, like myself, have a hard time keeping going. This is the problem at hand. The, the, the complete ghost town that the downtown is becoming. And one of the main factors is getting rid of those theaters. Why don't you look into a, the ability to preserve that California theater, bring back the UA, at least some theater. The only way you can go to downtown to in the arts is to have a ton, shit ton of money. What about everyday people? Do you guys care about us? My name is Marcelo. I was born here in Berkeley. I'm Jewish. I'm American. I'm disgusted with Israel. I'm disgusted with the United States. And I'm disgusted with all of you too, really. May I add again, you ran on a social justice platform. What, are you addressing an item on the consent calendar? Yeah, let's do, I think it's number four okay. about the memorial bench at Cesar Chavez Park. You ran on this social justice platform, spouting, touting Cesar Chavez. How would he look inside of you? How would he feel about your actions right now and what you're doing for the world? 
how you're letting Haza suffer, how you're letting our tax dollars go there. Further for the council, your job is to represent us. Look at the people behind you that have been coming for months. What do the people of the world want? What do the people of California want? What do the people of Berkeley want? They want a ceasefire. You are not doing your jobs. Get the fuck out of here if you don't want to represent us. That's what you're here to do. That's all. Any other speakers on the consent calendar? Hello, Mr. Mayor and Council. My name is Nathan Mizell, Rental Commissioner, Chair of Community Safety Task Force. Um, I speak on item three on the minutes. I was glad to see us be able to pass through the remastering process. Um, but I am concerned that in terms of that process, we are falling behind on some of the important things that are baseline services in the city. So one of those baseline services is public records request. Um, it's record request 23-799. Right, the city manager, city attorney, they should know about it. Um, I've been waiting now over seven months to get the text messages from the officers who were sending out racist and anti-homeless texts. We all remember it. And I've been waiting now seven months to hear, can I get those messages? I was told months ago that two weeks ago would be the deadline where the city responds when he responds to records. That still has not taken place. I will be sending a letter tomorrow morning. I hope this is something that can be taken care of. We're clearly violating state law in terms of not responding to the work, and we should not be having officers on our force, some racist officers back on our force to collecting taxpayer money and pensions, but not responding to record requests about their scandalous actions. Thank you. Any other public comments on the consent calendar? Please come forward. I don't see that how this exactly fits in the consent calendar about the theaters, but since two speakers I think they're referring to item 19, 19, yes, which really is an information report, but uh, just briefly to add what the other speakers said, uh, the Elmwood theater, since it's the only place to go other than PFA, literally when I've gone there, they've been sold out. That's how well they're doing. So, uh, and I, I've, seen them sold out their where they're turning away where I got the last ticket too. So the it isn't that theaters can't make money. I mean people are really starving to have that type of atmosphere and as a result D8 is bringing in money to their their restaurants when people go to the theater. So it is while we have so many vacancies store front vacancies um, so, yes, we do have to look towards what we're going to do for affordable entertainment because people don't have $75 to go to a play. Most people. Thank you. Any other speakers on the consent calendar? Good evening. You know, I'm sure that some of you would care about how a white male has just passed away, someone, an active duty service member by the name of Aaron Bushnell. What consent I want to address on item number four, okay. consent calendar. I understand Charlie Pollock must have been a very nice person, but how about um, dedicating the bench to Aaron Bushnell, who, who self-emulated himself. That was a new word for me. For education purposes, that means he literally lit himself on fire causing his death. 
That is the most extreme form of protest, and he did that so that he would not be complicit in the active genocide of Palestine by the Zionist entity of Israel, who is now also, after the one month mark, completely disobeying the ICJ ruling that said that they are plausibly committing genocide, and we all know they are 100%. So I'd like to also say I'm sorry for your guys' loss, Julia, I think her name was, and that to draw attention that I, a Palestinian, I have lost over 30,000 of my people. Thank you. 30,000. And every single day that grows more and more. We've also lost Aaron Bushnell, who is a very bright light in this world, according to many people who know him. But again, I, as a Palestinian and other Palestinians here too, have lost to over 30,000 of our people and over 70,000 are injured. And that does not count who is who lies Thank beneath you. the rubble, we the body to to the next speaker. Again, I have lost over 30,000 of my Thank people. You. Ceasefire now. Next speaker, please. Does anyone else want to speak on the consent calendar? Come forward. No, I was just waiting until they were through. Good evening, council people. Um, I'm speaking, I'm a, I'm a resident in, in District 1 for 30 years. I'm speaking on item one. So I have been talking to my representative, actually her staff person about why is it that I can't um, ascertain on uh, on the consent calendar on July 28th, 2022, this council made a resolution for um, supporting Ukraine against Russian invasion and the uh, Raja Kiraswani, my council person, has always said, no, we don't do outside of Berkeley. And yet there it is. And I was trying, and the reason why it's on one is that um, I, she, my, the staff person said, well, you, you need to look at the video. It was, it was on the consent calendar. I'm not going to go through and look for where it was to see whether or not Councilman uh, said yes or no or of one okay that's not Thank available you. i tried multiple I, browsers to we gotta move on video. you're not addressing item one your time is that, up that, we need to go to the next is, speaker it's minutes it's the it's you're the, referring to a meeting that happened the, years ago not a meeting that happened this year we need to go to the next speaker sir thank you okie dokie my name is Ilana Auerbach. I live in District 4, and I'm talking about, I'd like to talk about the theater, the empty downtown. Um, I had the pleasure of being at the Black Repertory Theater on Sunday. I, I don't know if any of y'all were able to go for the fundraiser. And it was the first time that I was inside that treasure. I've lived in Berkeley for almost 20 years, and I'd never been inside, only in um, the uh, the outdoor, you know, just not in the theater itself. And it was beautiful. And I kept thinking, why is this theater not used? Why are there no shows here? Why are, am I not hearing at council there be tens and hundreds of thousands of dollars donated to refurbish and support this theater that's in 
South Berkeley that's in the area where mostly the, the black and brown people of Berkeley live. They live all over the place, but why? Why? So I'm wondering about that. And we need to, to focus on, on revitalizing all Thank of Berkeley, you. certainly downtown, but, but the, the areas of Berkeley that don't historically Thank you. get revitalized. Thank you. In regards to the sidewalks, um, that was on the agenda back when I was on council and they were supposed to be done, all the sidewalks in Berkeley at that time, in five years. Well, five years has come and gone, and now you're asking for more, more money. That's interesting. But um, in regards to the black rep, a week, the last council meeting, you gave the Berkeley rep or the white or pink rep um, $150,000 on the consent calendar. And what investment have you given to the black rep? Absolutely nothing. That's really, you can see the disparity in that. Um, and in the health report, they didn't talk really too much about racism as being part of the um, health status update. Um, I think if you dealt with racism, the outcomes would be better for people of color in Berkeley, because we know that um, doctors don't treat everyone fairly or equally um, when it comes to health care. Uh, sadly, it took me up until this year to realize that when I had my daughter, that could have been racism, uh, because they asked me to wait because my doctor didn't get there on time and there was only one emergency room doctor. And they asked me to blow until I could give birth, which was like 30 minutes. So, and then I was thinking just recently, was that because I was black? Well, probably. I'm sure that, I don't know what the other people were, but I can probably 99.9% conclude it was racism, which is, Thank you. could be part of your health status report. And free Thank Palestine, you. ceasefire now. Show some courage. Yep. Show some courage. Pass the right. ceasefire. Seeing no additional in-person speakers, we'll go to Janice. Janice, you should not be able to speak. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I wanted to speak on item 14, the referral to the city attorney on the eminent domain issue for 2902 Adeline. Um, I was very happy to see um, Council Member Bartlett bring this forward. We are, um, you know, have been waiting for public house or for housing to be built on this site for many, many years. And um, I am a little concerned that. Um, the developer could do things to stop the eminent domain process. And I wanna make sure that um, policies are put in place so that if the progress you know, starts up on this um, parcel and then stops again, that we don't have to wait another seven or eight years for um, this eminent domain process to get started again. So I'm hoping that the city attorney can take into account how long it's been and how they have tried to do little things to delay um, us from getting eminent domain. Thank you. Thank you. We'll go to Kelly Hammergren. 
Thank you. On item 13, it's not clear to me what direction you are taking uh, with this. A long time ago, it was to uh, try and keep all debates open. Um, I hope at this point you have accepted that all debates is uh, closing. And I think a great use of that building would be to make it into a homeless shelter. You could shelter a lot of homeless people there. And I wish we were planning on health care for Gaza, because I, I, I'm just devastated by what's going on there and wish we had a ceasefire. On the information item that other people have been speaking on and 20 on Kittredge in the California theater, I had to go to the Roxy in San Francisco to see Israelism. It's a great movie. I wish you would see it. And I wish it were showing here, but we've lost 20 rooms in the last few years. Thank you. I'm out of time. Thank you. Okay, seeing no additional speakers on consent, the motion is to approve the consent calendar. Unless there's any further discussion. What? I moved it. Who seconds? Second. On seconds, um, the motion is to approve the consent calendar. Please call the roll. Kesarwani? Yes. Taplin? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Hahn? Yes. Wengraff? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Eric? Yes. Okay. Okay, the consent calendar is approved. We'll now proceed to the action calendar in item one. It's a public hearing on the appeal of the Zoning Adjustments Board's decision on 2924 Russell Street Administrative Use Permit ZP 20230081. Thank you for, to the parties for waiting patiently. Um, I wanna summarize our procedure for the conduct of this hearing. Um, first, we'll ask members of the council to disclose whether they had any ex parte communications with any parties. Um, and ex parte communications could be um, reported either through written form or verbally. Um, then we'll go to the Department of Planning and Development for their presentation on the ZAB appeal and for them to present their recommendation. And then we'll open up the public hearing and we'll um, go first to the appellant for five minutes to address the council. And then we'll go to the applicant who will have five minutes to address the council. And then we'll open up the public comment portion of the hearing where members of the public will have time to address the, the appeal as well. So um, I'd like to first ask... Members of the council, are there any ex parte disclosures that members would like to make on this uh, appeal? Councilmember Humbert? Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I, I need to disclose that I received two ex parte emails yesterday from the appellant in this matter. I opened the first, but I did not read either email. I personally did not think it was appropriate for me to read or consider these emails as council is sitting in this hearing as an adjudicatory body. Moreover, the emails did not appear to be copied um, to the applicant. In my other life as a lawyer, I'm also a trained and experienced arbitrator. I believe generally that review of ex parte communications and matters outside the administrative record by the decision makers is inappropriate and contrary to due process considerations. Today, I received another email from the appellant, which only apparently attached a copy of the appeal already in the administrative record, which I've read in toto in any event. Thank you. Okay, are there any other ex parte disclosures um, that members of the council would like to make? Seeing no members here in, in the boardroom, 
and seeing none on Zoom. Um, we'll now proceed to the staff presentations. I'd like to turn over to Jordan Klein, Director of Planning and Development, and then we'll go to the parties. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Good evening, Council members. Presenting for staff this evening will be Samantha Updegrave, Principal Planner with the Lenius team. Share my screen. Is that visible? Yes, it is. Okay, great. Good evening, Mr. Mayor, City Council members. I'm Samantha Updegrave, and I'm the Zoning Officer with Planning and Development. The project before you is the Appeal of Zoning Adjustments Board decision to approve an administrative use permit for an unenclosed hot tub at 2924 Russell Street. In my presentation, I'll walk you through the project details, including the timeline, location of the hot tub and screening, highlight the appeal points, and provide staff's analysis and conclude with our recommendation to the council. <clears throat> the AUP application was submitted in June of 2023 and approved by the zoning officer in July. The approval was appealed to ZAB, who conducted a public hearing in October and approved the project. The ZAB decision was subsequently appealed to the city council. We'll also look at the enlarged plan so we can see the details, but I wanted to start with the site plan to show the proposed hot tub relative to the whole lot. Uh, it would be located about 11 feet behind the dwelling unit off of the new 42 inch high deck. Um, that deck is allowed by right and not part of the proposal uh, before you this evening. Uh, for more context, these are photos of the backyard where the hot tub is proposed. There's an existing six foot tall concrete wall and some vegetation along the side lot line that shares with the, that's shared with the appellant's lot. The new deck would be generally located in the area of the patio and outside of all setbacks with the hot tub adjacent, kind of where that circle is. In the enlarged plan, uh, you can see that the hot tub would be far away from the rear and west side lot lines and it would be five feet, five inches from the side lot line that's shared with the appellant's lot. Relative to the improvements on the appellant's lot, the hot tub would be more than 25 feet from the dwelling unit and seven feet, seven inches from the accessory building, which had been converted from a garage to a workshop and study within AUP in 2014. In addition to the concrete wall, <clears throat> the applicant would plant and maintain a hedge for increased privacy and the reduction of potential noise and install the hot tub on a sound reducing mat. Door. Three issues were raised in the city council appeal letter, which is included in its entirety in the staff report. In summary, these issues are, there's no evidence that the hot tub will meet the requirements of the city's zoning ordinance and community noise ordinance. The location of the hot tub relative to the appellant's dwelling and accessory building and the neighborhood notice process. In the first issue, the appellant states there was not empirical evidence to prove that the noise impacts would be non-detrimental. The appellant also raised issues about noise from the use of the hot tub, which is outside the purview of the zoning ordinance. 
However, the community noise ordinance does contain standards for general exterior and interior noise that apply citywide, including all residential districts, and would be adequate to address potential noise for both the operation and use of the hot tub. The hot tub is also located more than 25 feet from either neighboring dwelling. In addition to the code requirement for hot tub pumps to be mounted and enclosed so that sound from the pump is not audible on adjacent properties, the applicant included additional measures related to potential noise in their initial application. The hot tub would be installed on a sound reducing mat and additional vegetation planted along the side lot lines. These are shown in the plans and included as project specific conditions of approval. Over the past five years, land use has approved 60 zoning permits for unenclosed outdoor hot tubs, and we have not received any requests for service related to potential violations of the conditions of approval. This provides evidence that compliance with these requirements sufficiently address noise impacts. Second, the appellant states that the location of their dwelling was misrepresented by the applicant and that the applicant withheld information from the city about the location of the desk inside the appellant's accessory building in the information that was submitted for review. <clears throat> the location of the hot tub in neighboring buildings was adequately shown in the application plans provided to the city. There was a staff drafting error in the original AUP findings that inaccurately described the location. This was corrected in the findings approved by ZAB and are reflected in the findings before council this evening. Furniture plans are not required for proposed or adjacent buildings because the zoning ordinance doesn't regulate furniture location. The proposed hot tub is cited in a manner that would not create detrimental impacts on neighboring properties. And further, hot tubs are a common feature on residential lots, and the proposed location provides more separation from the adjacent dwelling units than would be required for a main or an accessory building. Noise generated from the hot tub would not be beyond what could be reasonably expected in a developed residential neighborhood where people use both indoor and outdoor spaces in the places they reside. Third, the appellant states the applicant did not properly follow the pre-application requirements for neighborhood contact and outreach, and that the owner did not inform them in advance of the plan to install a hot tub. The homeowners authorized an agent to act on their behalf for the zoning application, which is a fairly common practice and explicitly allowed in the Berkeley Municipal Code. Although not contacted directly by the property owner, the appellant was made aware of the application two months before it was submitted to the city. The appellant acknowledged the plans with their signature and noted their concerns about the operational noise of the tub and usage. The applicant chose to respond to the appellant's comments in their application by including the sound reducing mat, seeking models that are quieter than industry standards and planting additional vegetation along the concrete wall. The application contained the required information to confirm that pre-application neighborhood contact and notice had occurred prior to submittal. Because the proposed hot tub complies with the zoning ordinance and meets the required findings, staff recommends that the City Council adopt a resolution affirming ZAB's approval of the project and dismiss the appeal. Thank you, and I am available for questions. Thank you. We'll hold questions until after the, the public testimony. So now I'd like to give the appellant 
five minutes to address the council on their appeal. Um, yes, the person who appealed the ZAP decision, which I believe is you, um, sir. And th I thank you for waiting patiently all evening. So yeah, it's it's however you want to use the five minutes is up to you. Um, is there a um, presentation that? Um, yes. Okay. I have a few slides, uh, Mr. Mayor. Okay. Let's not start, let's not start the clock. Do we? Um, are they able to show the slides or? Okay, great. Let's pull that up. Let me get my timer going here. Oh, I see. There's one here. Okay. This this is an active timer. Yes, it is. Okay, thank you. So whenever, whenever you're ready, um, yes, I'll, yours. I'll so, so uh, Mr. Mayor, members of the City Council, my name is Richard Spone. I have resided at 4928 Russell Street for 40 and a half years. Uh, I've raised two families there, three adopted kids and uh, uh, two stepchildren. Uh, I'm a member of the SANA board, and I came to... Uh, to Berkeley after being the director of the California Department of Consumer Affairs on, under Jerry Brown. So I'm, I've, I've been about a, a little bit. Uh, the, the matter today is a question of the uh, placement of a hot tub 10 feet from my wife's workstation, of which the proponent was advised and ignored. Uh, there are three essential material elements of a noise analysis, sound, distance and mitigation. With respect to the sound, excuse me, to the distance, that's the material element. And uh, uh, a, a, a concealment of that fact uh, is a fraud on the process. Uh, and also, since it was signed under perjury, it's potentially a felony under California Penal Code 118. So by refusing to identify where this thing was going, vis-a-vis, uh, there seems to be some hot water about. Um, the, the staff has uh, pretty much <laughs> dismissed this problem by uh, saying that, well, we don't regulate furniture. You've heard it just a moment ago. We don't regulate furniture. Uh, it, it, uh, there's no law against having a hot tub near an ADU. And then also considering that the residence is only the, the main building, Whereas RDU is my wife's office, that's very much a part of our residence. She works out there six hours a day. And so that's the pertinent thing. The issue here is 10 feet from my wife's workstation. You know, everything else to the contrary has to be parsed out, but in the context of the concealment of that information from the process. Uh, secondly, uh, as was referenced, uh, give me the... Uh, Third slide there, uh, David. I'm sorry. Okay, so you've seen the, the, the thing. Yeah. So so this is this is the city's policy about owners uh, are to have contact with neighbors about these kinds of projects. That's clear and stated in the policy. Uh, however, the staff. Uh, bizarrely, and this is a quote from the analysis, says, well, we really didn't mean that. Uh, you don't have to talk to, you don't have to talk to your neighbors. You can hire it out. And that's what happened in this process. We were not spoken to in advance. We weren't respected to be told that this was going to happen. Uh, we've never had contact in spite of overtures. 
and and it, it has produced a bad process and a bad result and a waste of an awful lot of time. And it's it's uh, it's it's really a damn shame. Uh, the uh, farming out mechanism simply doesn't work. Uh, this is a brazen bureaucratic subterfuge of city policy. If the city policy says meat, the staff should not just with with uh, impunity say, well, you don't have to meet. Uh, it's, it, it creates bad results, I can assure you. Uh, thirdly, uh, the issue of, of, uh, of evidence there. So you've got this thing that's gonna be 10 feet from my wife's uh, workstation. Um, there has been no uh, empirical evidence advanced by the proponent to demonstrate that what they are, what will be put in there uh, will be able to meet the the city's noise abatement standards and ordinance. They've ignored it. As a matter of fact, never in their application is that e is the Berkeley ordinance number even cited. So this is a problem, and it's made more of a problem by the fact that um, the the as was as the staff put up there, the the statute says noise is not to be audible on adjacent properties. So that's the standard. That's the standard they have to meet. And they have not made a showing of that. As a matter of fact, they've made, advanced no new evidence in 10 months, other than this, just the rubber mat, uh, the, the plantings. And frankly, they are still only, quote unquote, considering what models of hot tub they'll use. They haven't even copped to a model. So I don't know how anybody can say, well, this is gonna be something the city of Berkeley or a license because we don't know what the noise impact will be. And, and so uh, we've, we've proposed an off-ramp here, which simply would be, could I get a couple of more seconds? Yes, please, please complete your thoughts, sir. Yeah. Because this is important. All of the above to the contrary to the hills, the suggestion is an off-ramp from, from this problem, whereby, uh, a, a, a third party expert jointly agreed to by the parties would look at the equipment being used, would look at all the variables and say, yes, that can meet the Berkeley standards. And if, if somebody can't say that, then Berkeley shouldn't authorize the thing to put in and have my wife, who's very noise sensitive, find it out. So that's our proposal. I've given you very quality uh, language in, in our appeal uh, for this off-ramp. I'd be glad to work with your staff, uh, get the parties together, just like should happen in the first place. Uh, the Berkeley standard says you can go to mediation or whatever, but here it's an off-ramp. Just let's find an expert who will say that this project can meet the Berkeley ordinance noise abatement requirements. That doesn't seem to be too heavy an ask. We just put it, we just redid our bathroom, okay, in our house. We had no less than five different inspections by the city to make sure it was up to code. So all we're asking here is one. And that doesn't seem to be too much. Uh, you know, you probably feel a whole lot better about it. And I'll close by saying, I'm really sorry we're here tonight. It shouldn't have had to happen. It could have been totally avoided by an early on confab uh, amongst mature professional people. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, so we're going to give the um, 
app project applicant. Um, five minutes and given that we gave the previous speaker some additional time if you need it, we'll give you mm -hmm. some additional seconds also. Thank you. You see my screen. I think you have to get up close. You see it now. You and then just to make sure we get your testimony on the record, could you speak into the mic? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, uh, thank you so much. Uh, as you noticed, the planning and uh, development um, uh, uh, department approved the AOP, and Samantha mentioned the. The hardest summary was the appellant, Mr. Spohn, had three objections. Um, and um, the planning and development department uh, recommended the uh, zoning adjustment board to dismiss the case. And then we met the, uh, by zoning adjustment board. And after discussion, um, it was the case was dismissed again. And uh, now we are we're at your, uh, uh, you know, in front of you uh, to discuss this case. Basically, Mr. Spohn had three uh, objections. The first one was that we did not properly inform uh, the neighbors. We actually did, as you see here, five of them, as you see it here in person, and the three of them on the right side by certified mail. And here, are the drawing that you can see the signature of Mr. Spohn is right on the bottom. Here it is, number two. And uh, the other three uh, that we were not able to meet, they were not at home, they were mailed by certified mail. Of course, we didn't do this ourselves. Our architect did that because they were able to actually describe how the project is, and that's something that we were told to do. His second objection, and these are actually the photographs of the letters we mailed. The second objection is related to that uh, the property is too close to the appellant property. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the, the hot top. And uh, as you see here from the drawing uh, that uh, Samantha provides for you is about 25 feet away from the um, property of the appellant. And also we have other measures uh, which was approved to do, which we, we will show, we will have low noise hot tub and we will have sound reducing pad and we will have vegetation. And more importantly, that uh, we have to, uh, we tell you that there is a concrete wall between these two places. There is no fence here. There's a concrete wall in between. So we did our best to to actually satisfy the appellant here. Uh, as far as uh, having expert on this uh, amount of noise, uh, I feel it's not necessary because we are satisfying all the requirements and, and Samantha mentioned what we have. 
but in case you're interested, I can explain a little bit more. Uh, but I think at this time, I, I stop my case here. Thank you. Okay, thank you, sir. Um, if there may be questions to the parties, let's now open up for public comment on the ZAP appeal for 2924 Russell Street. Are there any um, members of the public here in person who'd like to speak on the ZAP appeal for 2924 Russell Street? If you'd like to speak, this is your opportunity, sir. Um, okay. Whilst speakers on Zoom, if they'd like to speak on the ZAP appeal for 2924 Russell Street, if so, please raise your hand at this time to be added to the speaker's queue. I do not see any raised hands. Let's keep the public hearing open. Um, and Councilor Hahn, um, I'll, I'll go to you first. Yes, thank you. And thank you all for being here today. Um, I was on the zoning board for many years, so I approved a lot of hot tubs. <laughs> it's uh, one of the things that comes before us. And um, people are always really concerned about, about the noise. Um, but, uh, and, and I will just say that my next door neighbors recently put a hot, an, an enclosed hot tub in. Um, they've never used it. <laughs> And they certainly don't sit in it all day um, being loud. Um, by the same token, if they wanted to, they could have um, put a flat surface in their backyard and played basketball all day and bounce the ball and throw in baskets all day. And I think that, that might have been a little bit annoying and they don't need a permit for that. So I guess what I'm saying is that I understand that changes can seem like they're going to be disruptive, but um, in my experience um, approving these, I, I, haven't, I haven't ever seen it be a, a problem at the level that um, <clears throat> neighbors sometimes imagine. And in the urban fabric, it is expected that there will be occasional noise in people's yards. They have parties, they have kids who pick up the drum, they, they play games in the backyard. Um, and we accept that. Um, the equipment that is available now is in fact, um, gets quieter and quieter, just like dishwashers, if you've gotten a, dishwasher in the last 10 years. It's like amazing how much uh, quieter it is than they used to be. And I, I think the technology around this um, is getting better and better. I also just wanted to say to the specific um, elements here um, that I actually am seeing more uh, barriers around this than I've often seen um, with a concrete wall and actually foliage does have a sound um, mitigating impact. Um, regarding the placement of a desk inside a building, um, zoning does not ask us to take into account the conditions inside. Um, 
And that I don't believe is ever required to be uh, considered. Um, sometimes we'll consider, for example, a, a living room window looking straight into a bathroom, and we'll ask for the window in that bathroom maybe to be a, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, okay, glazed, fogged, whatever you call it. Um, uh, frosted, frosted, <laughs> frosted glass. Um, I mean, we're usually able to mitigate something like that, but as a general matter, um, I have never seen uh, interior features be considered in a zoning permit. And so I'm not sure that that constitutes um, error. I am sympathetic to the concerns, but I'm not sure that our zoning code offers the answers. I think we have rules about how you comply and when somebody brings forward a project that is in compliance, um, and especially when there are additional features to try and mitigate um, potential sound, uh, we usually give the permit. So I'm, I'm hopeful that um, this will not end up being as intrusive as the appellant fears. Um, and that neighborliness and good relations will be more important than the occasional sound of um, a hot tub motor and um, people enjoying themselves in their yard. So I am inclined to um, not um, uphold the appeal. So before we proceed with statements, um... Are there any questions for any of the parties from members of the council? Um, seeing the members here on the dais um, or on Zoom, if there are no questions to the parties, then I'll move to close the public hearing. Second. Okay, let's call the roll on that motion to close the public hearing. Councilmember Kesarwani? Yes. Taplin? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Hahn? Yes. Lengraf? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Aragine. Yes. Okay. Okay. The public hearing is closed, and I'll now recognize Councilmember Humber. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. And, and I really want to thank Councilmember Hahn for uh, bringing to us her ex her long uh, experience as a member of the Zoning and Adjustments Board. I think that's really that's been very helpful. Um, I, I hope helpful for the the parties before us. It certainly was helpful for me. Um, this matter is in my district. And based on the content of the item, the administrative record, which I've read um, very carefully, and what was presented this evening, I, I feel we can adjudicate this relatively quickly. And nothing in the record or tonight's testimony leads me to believe that the planning staff or the Zoning Adjustments Board erred in their determinations regarding the installation of this hot tub. The proposed hot tub and the attendant features, as well as the process that went through for approval, all conform the requirements of our zoning ordinance. And it strikes me that the property owner went above and beyond those requirements in terms of ensuring that any noise and privacy issues from the installation of the hot tub would be proactively mitigated. I recognize that other council members may wish to speak on this now that the public hearing is closed, but for the purposes of any continued discussion, I'd like to make a motion to affirm the decision of the Zoning Adjustments Board 
to approve the AUP and to dismiss the appeal. Thank you. I'll second that. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We do have a we have a motion and a second to approve this, a staff recommendation, which is to um, adopt a resolution affirming the decision of the ZAB um, and to deny the appeal. Um, are there any other council members wishing to speak on this item? Councilor Hahn. Yeah, thank you. I just want to say I really, um, I really do think it's not going to be as bad as imagined. But I also, and because, and that's based on experience. It's not just. I think I've seen many of these applications and um, have ex personal experience with it myself. So, but I do think that once it's in and it's being used. Um, there, there certainly is always room for a neighborly conversation about ways that anything that does, um, in fact, end up being difficult could be managed. But uh, there's nothing in the code here that I think gives us any basis not to approve this permit. And I really hope that the desire to have good relations with neighbors because I personally value the fabric of our community more than I value, not just me personally, more than I value sort of perfect adjustments. Um, we have a neighbor whose tree completely blocks our view. And um, I'm glad that we have good relations with that neighbor. That's more important to me. Um, and I think a lot of people are able to um, value that um, ultimately, um, more than the small inconveniences of urban life. Thank you. I, I guess I'd also add that, um, you know, we have a noise ordinance, um, and after 10 p.m., there are certain decibel standards that have to be met. And so, um, you know, if, you know, if this motion passes and you, and there is a situation where, um, there's a very loud, um, a disruptive party or something happening that exceeds the allowable noise limit under the noise ordinance. Um, you know, people are encouraged to call Berkeley police because that's an enforcement matter, um, similar to what um, any any sort of dis disruption that occurs after a certain period of time. Um, it's particularly different in a residential area. The standards are more significant um, to be uh, to minimize noise impacts. So. Um, are there any other questions or comments from council members? Anyone on Zoom? Okay, if not, the motion is to approve the staff recommendation for item 15. Let's call the roll. Councilmember Kesserwani. Yes. Oh, all right. We'll got to. Oh, okay. The Zoom is having connection issues once again. Councilor Kesawani, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? We can, yes. yes. Thank you. So uh, calling the roll on the uh, motion to um, affirm the decision of the Zoning Adjustments Board, approve the permit, and dismiss the appeal. Um, your vote. Yes. Taplin? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Hahn? Yes. Wengraff? Yes. Humbert, yes, and Mayor Aragi, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, you have your your administrative use permit. That that concludes this item. We'll proceed now to item sixteen, 
which is a public hearing on zoning amendments for Berkeley business, amending Berkeley Municipal Code Title 23. Uh, we'll first have a staff presentation, then conduct a public hearing on the proposed zoning amendments to um, streamline and clarify the permitting process for small businesses in the city of Berkeley. So I'll turn it over to Jordan Klein, Director of Planning and Development. Thank you, Mayor, and good evening again, Council Members. We're very pleased to be bringing forward this latest set of zoning amendments to support small businesses in Berkeley uh, in accordance with referrals we've received from City Council and then additional recommendations from the Planning Commission. Uh, this has been a partnership between Planning and Development and the Office of Economic Development, and I will now turn it over to Eleanor Hollander. Thanks, Jordan. Um, nice to see you again, Council. Um, I wanted to um, thank both our colleagues in the Planning Department and the leadership on Council for this referral in 2019 and um, all of your feedback throughout this process. It's been really tremendous. And I especially wanted to thank our Berkeley businesses for sharing with us their feedback on their experience with our code and how we can make it better. And um, it's not an easy thing uh, as a business to share your unvarnished thoughts. Um, with the little time you have and to be um, brave and vulnerable to do that with us, um, I really appreciate that, especially during such a challenging time as the pandemic in the past five years. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to my colleague, uh, Kieran Slaughter and Justin Horner from Planning uh, to walk us through the changes. Kieran? Yes, thank you so much, Eleanor. And I will jump right into the presentation and slide deck um, to walk you through the amendments that are before you this evening. Hopefully you can see uh, the first slide. And once again, Karen Slaughter, Office of Economic Development. Let me scoot this over there. So, a little bit of background. Um, in terms of the summary of the ordinance amendment and development, as you can see on your screen, several milestones have taken place through the development of the items that are before you this evening, including a couple stops to the Planning Commission, um, as well as recent adoptions of regulations related to arcades and signs that came before the city council that was a part of this phase um, of these zoning amendments. And just to reiterate that council's consideration of these proposals will conclude the work on the 2019 referral, which was one of the major pillars of the small business support package that was authored in 2017, which also includes many of the ongoing initiatives that were mentioned in the OED economic dashboard uh, presentation earlier this evening. This slide summarizes the um, amount of outreach and engagement um, that Eleanor mentioned that took place uh, during the development and sort of the cultivation of the proposed ordinance amendments in front of you. We met with many of you all uh, last year and late winter, early spring, as well as a number of other departments and divisions uh, that interact with our businesses and not to mention our business improvement districts that hear um, first and foremost from a lot of our businesses the impacts that some of these regulations had on uh, some of their businesses that were opening and attempting to expand. So to take you through uh, the item, what we will begin with is the items that were recommended from this city council in 2019, which are listed as one through seven, following up with the additional recommendations that came from staff in coordination with the planning commission's ultimate recommendation um, for you all to adopt. So number one is permit group instruction and health fitness facilities with a zoning certificate. Currently, most commercial districts require an administrative use permit and we'll say AUP uh, moving forward. Planning Commission recommends that a larger group instruction and in health and fitness be regulated with an AUP in the districts that are listed and a zoning certificate is the appropriate level of permit 
for these uh, uses in all other commercial districts. And once again, AEP process um, provides an opportunity for uh, public notice, appeal, and uh, reasonable conditions by staff. Council also directed staff to look at uh, permitting the sale of distilled spirits that are incidental to food service establishments within AUP subject to performance standards. Currently, a use permit with the public hearing, which will say UPPH is currently required. And the planning commission along with staff agreed that an AUP is the most reasonable type of permit for adding incidental uh, distilled spirits to food service. We were also told to take a look at permitting standalone beer and wine sales and service, such as tap rooms and wine bars within AUP, again, subject to performance standards. Currently, a use permit, a use permit with a public hearing, UPPH, is required. And Planning Commission, once again, <clears throat> recommends that an AUP is a relevant and most appropriate permit for this type of use. And in conjunction with those changes, we updated the special use standards for alcohol beverage sales in the municipal code section that's listed there on your screen and in your agenda report. We took a hard look at modifying the hours of operation in our commercial districts because currently the permitted hours of operation vary by not only hours, but by days. They may be vastly different in adjacent commercial districts that are only separated by a street. And the existing regulations don't really take into account um, different unique holidays, cultural, civic events that may occur on a weekday or not just on a Friday and Saturday. As a result, uh, the Planning Commission recommends modifications to the hours of operation that are reflected on this slide here, where for the most part, an hour was just added to the opening and to the closing of most of our commercial districts. And you can see sort of a graduated step from some of our smaller districts that are proposed to close at midnight, along with an step up with some of our larger districts that are proposed to be uh, to be allowed to stay open at 2 a.m. and then adding downtown to telegraph which is currently 24 hours a day seven days a week um, no business will be forced to stay open this late if they don't think it fits within their business model but we do think it's reasonable to allow businesses to stay open uh, to a reasonable amount of time and of course existing regulations around alcohol service and noise thresholds will remain in place Staff also took a look at removing the change of use per, uh, permit requirements in commercial districts because an AUP is currently what's required to change your use, regardless if the new use you're proposing is a permitted use. And it was found to be not the most equitable approach to um, have thresholds that basically impact a new proposed business based on what the previous proposed business was, even though currently the, the business site may be vacant. We also proposed to take a look at ATMs. We realized that there um, really wasn't compelling enough evidence to make any modifications to this, so we didn't make any changes. So no changes to the level of discretion for ATMs. Now, rounding out the second half of the amendments, we took a look at amending the levels of discretion for office, business, professional, as well as arts and crafts, pet studio, uh, arts and crafts studios, as well as pet stores, because currently, uh, business professional and arts and crafts is requiring AUP in some districts and a zoning certificate in others. Pet stores require a use permit with a public hearing in all but one district, 
So the commission recommends a zoning certificate for arts and crafts studios in all commercial districts and an AUP for pet stores, which once again allows for reasonable conditions of approval and public notice. And lastly, a zoning certificate for office, business, and professional uh, uses in select commercial districts. Live entertainment is something that we've heard a lot about. We heard a lot about that tonight, you know, the need for Berkeleyans and others to have an opportunity to enjoy our rich cultural offerings here. However, there were some pretty significant restrictions and in some of our commercial districts, live entertainment was not even permitted. And so currently it's an AUP in some districts and a use permit with public hearing and others. Planning Commission recommends a zoning certificate for unamplified live entertainment and a AUP if it's amplified live entertainment. And live entertainment can be, you know, qualified as musical act, karaoke, a theatrical act, even stand-up comedy. This was an interesting um, part of the code that we discovered that in the CT, CSO, so that's Telegraph, Solano, and North Shattuck districts, um, there was a level of discretion that required seated food service for distilled alcohol beverage sales. Um, currently, these districts are the only ones that require it. And the Planning Commission took a look at this and recommended removing this requirement to regulate it consistent with all of the districts. And, you know, anecdotally, some of the counts or some of the commissioners mentioned that, you know, they didn't necessarily want to have food at an establishment that was forced to sell food. Uh, as you can see here, some of the photos that we've seen where somebody might just literally sell, you know, a cheese puff just to satisfy that food requirement in order to sell alcohol. Um, so that's something that we agreed was um, not in the best interest of our customers as well as our business owners. And the last couple that we have, we're looking at amending the level of discretion for food service establishments. Uh, currently, the BMC, the municipal code, requires a zoning certificate or an AUP, depending on a whole host of qualifiers, including square footage. The Planning Commission recommends that food establishments that are under 3,000 square feet or less um, be permitted with a zoning certificate, zoning certificate and that larger ones would require an AUP and that the clause that mentioned third party rentals um, being banned is no longer going to be recommended. And so moving on to the last few, number 12 is permitting food service establishments uh, outdoors in select M districts. This was another council referral that directed staff to look at this because currently the code permits food service establishments in the M, MM, those are the heavy M's, heavy industrial, MUR, Muley districts with an AUP, or an use permit with a public hearing based on the district and square footage. Uh, the commission recommends allowing outdoor food service to continue, like we saw during the pandemic, and you can see pictured here at Standard Fair, um, for some, with an AUP for our smaller incidental food service in select M districts and no longer limiting food or beverage to immediate consumption in the MM district. And once again, a UPPH, a use permit with a public hearing is still required for larger primary food service in Muley and MUR districts. And the last two is one was removing the quota, the last remaining quota in the city of Berkeley and the Elmwood district, which capped food service establishments at 25. Planning Commission re recommends removing this restriction. And the last one is amending the restriction of drug paraphernalia stores in CT, which is a Telegraph Commercial. Currently, the code does not permit drug paraphernalia stores or sales in the CT. 
Planning Commission recommends removing this restriction given the fact that there are three existing cannabis retail stores there and that there are numerous items that could basically be considered drug paraphernalia depending on uh, how someone uses it or modifies it. So with that, I will turn it over to my colleague, Justin Horner, who will just walk you through a few other technical edits and summarize staff recommendation. Uh, thank you, Kieran. John Justin Horner, Planning Department staff. I just have uh, three more slides to share with you. Uh, the first will summarize how the regulations would apply to certain existing businesses. The second would summarize a few technical edits that are included in the proposed ordinance. And the third is the staff recommendation. As you see on the slide before you, uh, there's a discussion of how there may be instances where an existing business operates under prior regulations or a prior approval that is more restrictive than those you are considering tonight for new businesses. For example, a business currently in the CU district may be approved to operate under existing hours of operation, which end at midnight. However, the proposed ordinance allows businesses in the CU to operate until 2 a.m. Currently, a permit modification process would be required for this business to change these hours, and that process requires a public hearing. Under the proposed ordinance, this business could change its hours to those permitted under the new regulations with an AUP. The proposed ordinance includes new languages in three sections that modifies the process for existing land use approvals in this way. For hours of operation, general requirements for alcohol beverage sales and service, and alcohol beverage service when incidental to food service. In each case, an AUP is required to modify a previous approval, which includes public notice and an option to appeal an initial decision, as well as providing the city an opportunity to include conditions of approval if necessary. Next slide, please. This slide summarizes the technical edits included in the proposed ordinance. These technical edits include corrections to some misdrafting in the CSA zoning district section, removal of some family daycare regulations consistent with state law, the removal of some obsolete or incorrect terms, and an overall reduction in the total number of tables and text body to improve usability and eliminate redundancies. Next slide. Uh, thank you so much for your time and attention. Staff recommends that you conduct a public hearing and approve a first reading of the proposed zoning changes to support Berkeley business. And we're available for any questions. Thank you so much. I'll now open the public hearing on item 16, the proposed amendments of Berkeley Municipal Code Chapter 20, Title 23, um, to streamline and clarify the permitting process for small businesses and commercial districts, select manufacturing districts, and the RBMU and RSMU zoning districts. Are there any members of the public here in person who would like to address the city council on item 16? Now will be the time. If not, we'll go to speakers on Zoom. Are there any speakers on Zoom who would like to address the city council on item 16? Okay, uh, so we have Beth Rossler. Yes, good evening, Mayor and Council. This is Beth Rossner, CEO of the Berkeley Chamber of Commerce. Uh, the Chamber's in full support of the zoning amendments for Berkeley businesses that are before you this evening. To quote the rationale for a recommendation, the goal of this or zoning ordinance amendments is to simplify and streamline the permitting experience for small businesses, which can in turn enhance the quality of commercial district offerings help fill vacant storefronts, and generate more local and sustainable economic opportunities. 
I think we can all agree that small local businesses are at the heart of our community and helping entrepreneurs get their doors open sooner and with fewer hurdles is a win for everyone. So thank you to OED and planning department for compiling these changes. And we urge you to support these amendments as presented. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we'll go next to Catherine's iPad. Just reading the names on the screen. Mm -hmm. Catherine? Uh, can, you, can you hear me? We can, yes. Oh, great. Um, I, I guess if, if I understood the uh, changes, I'm concerned specifically about the uh, allowing businesses to change to 24 seven. I live in the downtown Berkeley area and um, I guess I'm concerned specifically of businesses that serve alcohol or um, uh, perform or allow for music and entertainment, such as the Cornerstone on uh, Shattuck and Durant. Um, if they're allowed to stay open 24 seven, again, if I understood what the proposal is, then um, right now it's a problem with the noise coming um, from that business. And um, if you can have just five people coming out of there at three o'clock in the morning, and it's much louder than someone than five people coming out at three o'clock in the afternoon. And uh, I'm, so I don't know if there are going to be restrictions to which businesses are allowed to stay open longer hours, but I hope you'll consider that some businesses, it may not be uh, conducive to the residents who live uh, in some of these areas with some of the businesses that could really increase a lot of noise in those, in those particular areas. And that's all I have to say. Thank you very much. Are there any other uh, attendees on Zoom who'd like to address item 16, the zoning amendments for Berkeley businesses? If so, please raise your hand to be added to the speaker's queue. Okay, don't see any additional speakers and see no additional in-person speakers. I'll move to close the public hearing. Second. Second, let's call the roll on closing the public hearing. <laughs> Councilmember Kesarwani? Yes. Taplin? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Hahn? Yes. Lengraf? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Arging? Yes. Okay. Okay, the item is now before us. And before I go to Councilor Taplin, just want to take this opportunity to thank staff in the uh, Planning and Development Department and in the Office of Economic Development for bringing forward um, these important amendments to streamline our permit process to uh, attract and retain small businesses in the city of Berkeley. Um, most people don't know that small businesses make up the vast majority of businesses in the city of Berkeley. Um, the vast majority of businesses have under 50 employees. Um, and particularly as we are moving out of COVID and uh, working to uh, ensure that our city's economy can rebound, we can get people back to work. Um, this is really critical to helping um, make Berkeley, continue to make Berkeley a center of small locally owned businesses to grow our tax base, to provide good jobs. Um, and I just want to want to thank the Office of Economic Development for all the outreach that they've done to our business community. A lot of these ideas came directly from the uh, surveys and the meetings that they had with our business improvement districts and with small businesses. Um, and so these are in direct response to um, uh, barriers that our business businesses have identified. Um, and also, also some of this is updating our rules to reflect Berkeley in the 21st century. Um, and I just want to acknowledge that this is a byproduct of an effort that Councilmember Hahn and I initiated nearly eight years ago 
uh, where we introduced in 2017 the small business package, uh, which really helped our department reorient its focus on supporting small locally owned businesses. So I want to thank the staff and economic development for all your work and planning for bringing this to us today. I think this is a really important step forward. Uh, Councilor Taplin. Uh, thank you, Mr. Mayor, and um, I also um, give my thanks to OED and planning. Um, I also wish to thank um, the mayor and Council Hong for their leadership. Um, I'm proud to represent uh, some of the city's most diverse commercial and manufacturing businesses, uh, everything from the city's largest employers to this, the smallest uh, startups and um, and you know the entire ecosystem of of innovative uses that we we were seeing. Um, I also have been um, aware of the challenges some of our new operators are facing when trying to to come into Berkeley. And people seek seek out Berkeley for our values, and they understand our community, and they want to be active partners and uh, building collective future for um, our residents and our city. Um, and I want to say um, I am. I spend as much time downtown as I do in West Berkeley. I'm a patron of the arts. I'm a patron of hospitality, um, and I um, look forward to working with my colleagues and and the business community and um, the community at large. And what I really want to see is um, just a, an immense renaissance in the arts and entertainment and nightlife. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Councilmember Han. Yes, thank you. Well, um, I also was going to hark back to one of the first items that um, I had the honor of doing, and it was with um, Mayor Adegine, and it was built on some of the work that he had done as a council member that hadn't gotten done by staff. So we reintroduced some of those concepts, and we brought forward a bunch of additional concepts that we thought were important, and it has been an incredibly long-standing and impactful piece of legislation. But the reason is because our economic development department, in particular, Jordan Klein, the former economic development director, who's now head of planning, and Eleanor Hollander, who um, was in economic development and is now as head of economic development, the two of them have really taken that referral to heart and carried it for all these years, really faithfully and diligently trying to fulfill both the spirit and the letter of all that was referred to them at the time. And I just think we need to take a moment sometimes and uh, just appreciate the arc of change that we have been able to enact when our staff and our council are aligned and we we are in partnership and see eye to eye on the things that that we need to make the city better. So I just really want to thank Eleanor Hollander and Jordan Klein, and of course, all the other staff members who've been working on all these concepts. I think there were seven or eight things that we referred. Um, and that that language, streamlining of zoning, permitting, and licensing requirements and processes, that's what we wrote in our original item in in 2017. So um, I, I have a couple of little questions for staff. Um, I just wanted, maybe it's a question or confirmation on the, the, the changed hours of operation. Uh, the zoning board can always still impose shorter hours, right? It's just the, it's the broadest spectrum of hours that can be allowed 
it doesn't automatically allow those hours for every business. Is that correct? Um, that's correct, Councilmember Hahn. Okay, great. I just want, you know, sometimes I think the public will look at something like this and they'll think, oh my gosh, you know, every business is now allowed to stay open till midnight and that it's not really how it works. Um, this is the range of hours that a business might be given a permit to be open, but um, the zoning board and staff still have the discretion to impose shorter hours. And I, I wanted that clarification to be in the record. Um, regarding the, um, essentially the by right zoning certificate approvals for the newly designated, um, what did we call it? Health and fitness facilities. Um, do we have any standards around noise on that? Uh, I'm just curious, for example, um, uh, my kids used to do martial arts and it's actually can be pretty noisy. Um, speaking of noise, um, but I was just curious, do we have any additional standards that apply here so that, um, you know, if a business, let's say it's right next door to a, uh, an apartment building or something, and, uh, you know, maybe it's a Zumba class and the music's really loud and it's really successful and they're at it from 6 a.m. because some of these classes do start early until 9 or 10 p.m. Do we have any other lovers here? And that, that's Council member. Yeah. yeah. Hi, Council Member Han. Yeah, um, we did not develop uh, mm. performance standards for those businesses, but that's something we'll, that we'll definitely take a look at and that we can adopt administratively. Okay. Can we can we refer that to you? Because I, you know, I want the um, ability to make these things easier, but this is one type of um, activity. Um, we are so tight in our commercial districts where we have. Um, commercial buildings that will literally back or be right next door to residential. And that's not the case in all communities. I just have a tiny little concern that we want to have a lever here to, um, to put some conditions. So would you be yeah. comfortable if we, if we included a recommendation to staff to, to create some regulations that address potential noise issues with this type of business? Absolutely. Okay, I would just ask my colleagues if they might um, be willing to add that as a, a recommendation. Um, let's see, there are a couple of other little things, not much. I think that may have just answered my questions. Those were the only two little concerns I had in this large body of work and I just wanted to second in closing um, Council Member Taplin, uh, I really want Berkeley to thrive. I want people to have fun and enjoy themselves. I want our small businesses to be able to establish and, um, and be successful and offer their generous goods and their generous food and their experiences to our community. I want us to get out of our little COVID caves. <laughs> and um, I think this is a really important uh, next step for us in, um, in moving that forward and showing our support for the businesses that really bring joy and life to every neighborhood. So thank you again to staff for all they're doing. Thank you. Council Member Humbert. Yes, thank you, Mr. Mayor. And 
Thank you, Mr. Mayor and Council Member Hahn for putting all this in motion. I hadn't realized that and I really appreciate it. I, I, I can't thank the planning and economic development departments enough for the work that they did on this. Um, really want to commend Jordan Klein, Eleanor Hollander, Karen Slaughter, and Justin Horner, and every single staff member who worked on this. It's an incredible amount of detail, all you combed through, really impressive, and it's carefully thought out, and these are overdue changes. They'll make it easier for our small business operators to do business here in Berkeley, and um, as Councilmember Hahn mentioned, help our community thrive. I'm hoping that we'll pass these swiftly tonight. It sounds like we probably will. We looked into all the changes being proposed pretty carefully a while ago, and they all seemed really well reasoned in keeping with the direction that council previously provided. And they are designed to balance benefits to our businesses with adequate protections for nearby residents who might be affected. Um, as we heard in the economic indicators presentation earlier, Berkeley is continuing to suffer from elevated retail vacancy rates, and in some shopping districts, we're even moving in the wrong direction. If we want to attract and retain businesses and remain competitive with our neighbors, we need to make it easier for businesses to open and be flexible in the face of changing market conditions. Under our current rules, too many businesses are forced to go through drawn-out approval and public hearing processes, including before the ZAP, just to open or make simple changes. These changes will help avoid all of that. Um, thank you so much again. Um, I, I'm really excited about this. Councilmember Bartlett. Thank you. Uh, and thank you, uh, Mr. Mayor and Councilmember Council um, Hahn for your work and launches. I remember this back in 2017. Good work. And uh, to the staff, wonderful, wonderful presentation and excellent, diligent work here. You know, so often we hear about the uh, sort of labyrinthine maze of bureaucracy for business and for uh, other city interfaces. And this is really refreshing to see that. Uh, we're making some changes here to make it easier to, on one hand, uh, fulfill your dream as an entrepreneur. Uh, the second, uh, to create economic vitality in the city that we're recovering from, from the pandemic, as we've heard. And third, there's a, a new kind of plague I'm reading about, and that's loneliness. Um, it's actually loneliness. Uh, people are really lonely, and they're dying of loneliness all over this country. Uh, and I'm sure we are as well here in Berkeley. So uh, anything that launches people into interactivity uh, and fun and music and laughter together uh, in public, uh, we should encourage. Thank you. I'll get any of my colleagues on Zoom who would like to speak or ask any questions on this item. No. Um, so I guess, is there a motion on the floor? I don't think so. Well, it's my, my pleasure to make a motion to um, approve the staff recommendation for item 16 with the um, referral that Councilmember Hahn had um, suggested performance standards for noise. Um, uh, so I'll put that motion on the floor. Second. Okay. Um, any other questions or comments? If not, we'll, we'll proceed to a roll call vote on the motion. Okay. Councilmember Kessler-Wani? Yes. Kaplan? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Hahn? Yes. Wengraff? Yes. Humber? Yes. And Mayor Aradine. Yes. Okay. Okay, motion carries. I think that completes our action calendar. Yes. Just note for the record that 
Despite everything, we're still getting important business done for the city of Berkeley. What we just did is pretty significant to make it easier to enable ex existing and new small businesses to operate in our city. Um, so I'd like to make a motion to suspend the rules and adjourn. Second. Okay, let's call the roll. Councilmember Kesarwani? Yes. Kaplan? Yes. Bartlett? Yes. Hahn? Yes. Wengraff? Yes. Humbert? Yes. And Mayor Ergi? Yes. Okay. But we're happy to sit here and listen to your comments. Can I take this off? Or? Sure. Okay, thank you. I'm Cynthia Papermaster. I'm the coordinator for San Francisco Bay Area Code Pink, uh, women-led um, peace group, anti-militarism group, and we've been very active around the issue of uh, a ceasefire in Gaza. Um, and I've come just to make a, a quick comment. I don't know if I have a minute or two minutes or whatever. I, I brought a pair of children's shoes in here with me to... I have a whole sack of these in my car because we've been setting up these children's altars at our, at our events calling for ceasefire. This is just symbolic of the many thousands of children who have been killed in Gaza. And I'd, I'd really like to implore you to pass a ceasefire resolution before you break for summer. And Mayor Erickson, I can't thank you enough for your comments to me today. Um, that it's a possibility that you will do that. And thank you, Councilmember Bartlett, for your excellent resolution that you wrote before. You know, I read it, and it seemed to me like it was a really good resolution. Really good resolution. I don't know that anyone wouldn't support a ceasefire on the city council. No human uh, living should be against a ceasefire that is killing thousands of children. Thank you very much for taking my comments. I'd like to see a special meeting set up. Thank you. To discuss and pass a ceasefire resolution. 